now we're in bigger warehouses in Knoxville, 200,000 square feet. And it's kind of, it makes you feel small. You know, you think you're getting somewhere yeah. and then you're like, wow, we really, you know, that, that builds trust and faith and all right, relying on the Lord. A lot more prayer happened in that time and, hmm. and a lot less confidence in myself, and my own skills, and just getting back to the simple things and hmm. praying more and reading the Bible more. Hey, this is Paul again from the IT Company, your host for the Made Right Here podcast. We are on episode two with Joe Mahalik from RNS Logistics. We're going to hear about uh, Joe moving to Virginia with no job and no plan, and uh, a little bit more about how that shaped him again into the leader and the man he is today. Uh, a little bit about his introduction into RNS Logistics, a crisis point in his life where he realized how critical it was to be invested in his family as much as in his business and how that's changed him and uh, just his faith and how that kept him going, give him fuel to be, uh, to believe and to continue. So have a listen to Joe Mahalik from RNS Logistics. Were you there the whole time you were in yes, Charlottesville? all the four okay. years. Yeah. Okay. Oh, all four years. Yeah. At Off Campus Partners. Four she did four years of grad school? Oh, no, sorry. She finished her. It was an intensive program. Okay. They didn't take time off in the summer. So after a year, she was done. Oh, wow. And then she got a job, a great job at UVA, oh, working okay. in with her graduate degrees. Got it. Okay. And she managed their program. Okay. Part of it was a study abroad. So we got to travel the country with her. Oh, wow. She planned these trips to China, Southeast Asia. Vietnam. You guys went? Yes. We would go. I would use my two weeks vacation and oh, go with wow. her. That's cool. But they would go for five weeks. Yeah. Man, what an experience. Yeah. That's awesome. So why, where did you go? Did you come back here? Yes. From Charlottesville? Yes. Why? Marshall. We were pregnant with our first okay. of four, Caroline. Okay. And we wanted to be closer to home. Okay. Growing up, seeing our relatives once a year in Connecticut, we wanted to be, we want our kids to know their grandparents. Yeah. Catherine's parents live here. Okay. My parents do. And there again, I... But we didn't necessarily want to be back in Knoxville. Maybe closer. Maybe three, like Nashville. Right. Maybe North Atlanta, Charlotte, okay. Lexington, okay. somewhere closer. And start applying again on these job sites. But again, not so this really. This would have been at the end of the recession. So 11, yes, 2011. 11. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. 2011. And started applying jobs, not really getting anywhere. And then I got a call out of the blue from David Schmidt. He didn't even know I was looking. But Did he, you know him? Yes, I had worked for his construction company. Oh, that was the construction company yeah. you worked for years in, ago in college. Yeah. Okay. Then we had kept in touch, and he said, "Hey, I don't know if you're looking to move back, but the guy that was running RNS Logistics moved to Nashville. He said I need somebody to come run operations, but we don't have a salesperson. We lost a lot of business in the downturn. We need somebody to do sales." Did you know that this existed, RNS, when it was around? Did you even know what it was? I, maybe I knew. He had. He's an entrepreneur. Yeah. He starts things, gets people to run them, and moves on, and very successful at that, yeah. and giving people the freedom and to go and, do, and run with it. Right. I maybe knew he had some trucking, but I didn't know it was warehousing and distribution as okay. well. I didn't okay. know much about it. No. Okay. All right. And he, so he said, come yeah. run this, basically run this company for yes. me. Yes. Come see what you can do with it. Huh. But you're going to have to wear a lot of That's hats. That's pretty bold on his part to take a thing that he owned and just hire somebody that kind of had some experience in transportation. And just be like, yes. yeah, this, you know, come run this thing for me. That's a great point. I think he he knew he's a great starter and he's very smart. And he knows his he knows he doesn't want to stay in one place yeah. and be the maintainer right. or grow every day. He's yeah. on the two or three things, right. two or three other businesses that he's starting up. Yeah. 
but he's also, I think one of his greatest strengths is finding people with character, with drive, with ownership mentality mm-hmm. to go, come and run it. Yeah. I think that's one of his greatest strengths. Oh, interesting. So you were like, well, I guess we're going to try this. But I, I remember how, t- how much were you making in this in this website thing? I think I'd made it up to probably sixty five a year. Okay. So I'd not bad. Yeah. I had about twenty thousand. Yeah, and you were kind of at the time dinks. You're dual income, no kids. Yes, but a kid on the way. Yes, yeah. and so you guys had decided that hey, we want to for Catherine to stay home and not work. Was that kind of the yeah. agreement you guys had if we were going to stay in charlottesville we were actually going to both continue to work we okay. had a daycare lined up and okay. she was making more at the time yeah and doing really well making and really more than enjoy- you. yeah more yeah. than me yeah. and doing really well they loved her at uva I mean, yeah. she she had great bosses mm. really great culture to work in but yes that's what we were th- i was fine if she wanted to go back to work too but we kind of made a decision yeah let's- was that hard for her yeah it was a really yeah. hard transition because she got a lot of value and was really smart. Great. She's very organiza- organizationally minded. Yeah. Very detail oriented. Can run a lot and keep people in sh- like meeting deadlines and yeah. getting them all their visas mm-hmm. in and getting them processed on these trips. You know, that was a big deal. Lining up speakers. Like she's yeah. just very good gifted in that way. Isn't that fascinating too? I think about a lot of moms, females, like super gifted, talented at what they do. And they make this really hard decision, largely selfless decision to to be home you know and some don't and either way is fine you know that's their choice and my wife works obviously but i just see a lot of you know who knows i mean honestly you obviously we'll get to this but you've made a good life rns has been successful you've achieved some level of success but seemingly she could have just kept climbing the ladder and kept making more money than you right yeah it's interesting and even when we moved back they loved her so much and she they had a hard time or that it was a longer process to hire somebody to replace her mm-hmm. she was the first person to do her job and they relied on her so much that they kept her on for she worked remotely for about a year and a half here wow. in knoxville because oh, wow. a lot of the stuff you can do yeah just yeah. online huh all right so you land in knoxville come to work at rns you weren't an owner no right no. you were an employee yep. at that point okay but you was this like hey here's joe he's in charge Yes. Like that was the deal. Hey, welcome Joe. Nobody knows him. Yes. He's this guy that worked for me at a construction company years ago and had worked at J.B. Hunt and was selling websites. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's going to run yes. this transportation logistics warehousing <laughs> company. Couldn't have said it better myself. Okay. I remember pulling in, and David wasn't there that day that I had all. Of course all... he wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> he, was on, he was starting another company, two or three. I pull in with a box truck of all of our stuff, and there was two warehouses at the time. One of them was pretty much empty, maybe 80% empty, to the point I drove the truck all the way in to the back of the warehouse, and a couple of the guys that work in our... This was my first introduction to them. They're helping me unload all my junk, all my stuff into the warehouse. <laughs> They're like seeing these bags of clothes, you know, all of our furniture, and I'm trying to build, you know, build rapport with them. Yeah. Like, hey, what do you guys like to fish? Or you're like trying to just get them to talk, or you have kids, and... But yes, that was it, just thrown wow. right into the fire. And Did then, you even know what to do? No, I didn't. And I think I had an overlap of two weeks, maybe, with the guy who was leaving, okay. Chris Bolton. He was very good, but he was more of, he's very, he's pro, he knew process and procedures. He had worked at big Fortune 500 companies okay. and, and very good at process and procedures. Was he, <clears throat> was David setting him up the way he kind of said, was he supposed to take over as an owner over time? Or I, I don't know. You know I don't know if he ever okay. had that in his mind okay. to do that. But but gave him the same freedom and runway to run with it and make RNS what he wanted it to. Is RNS 
Just Schmidt and Rhodes backwards? I think so. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, the letters. Okay. okay. All right. So what'd you do? How do you show up somewhere? Like, you probably, it wasn't like <laughs> David gave you a job description. No. Right. And was like, here's my expectations and I'll see you in two weeks and we'll see how you're doing. <laughs> was it just more like, hey, here's Here the key. Here's the keys. <laughs> just don't wreck it. You just know? don't screw this up. Yeah, don't run into the ground. Yeah. Pretty much it was that. That's interesting. The, the great thing about off-campus partners, just not seeing limits or being scared to ask or knock on doors mm-hmm. and just think, okay, all I knew is the warehouse is empty. Here's the one thing David said, keep the warehouses full. And so it was an empty, all the, were industrial parks. All these manufacturers we weren't even working with just mm-hmm. down the road. Mm-hmm. And so day one or two, it was like going to these, start building relations with the operations manager, the plant manager, yeah. the CFO. This is where the training and off campus was so important to build. It. Even if they didn't need us then, I knew, you know. Eventually. Yeah. And that was the thing at off campus, even though there was a lot of success. And oh, let me back up really quick because this is important. At JB Hunt, I was operations management. I could only make this. At off-campus, I was introduced to this commission, Mm. sales, and eating what you kill and benefiting from it, which I loved. Mm. So once I like the competitive nature of knowing I'm in control of what I can make. And being rewarded for what you've done and not maybe based on what other people, their limitations. And so really enjoyed that. And so just getting out. And again, beating the streets. Mm-hmm. Makes sense as an Enneagram three. <clears throat> yes. Would be uh, <laughs> I have to I like produce. The competition. I like it. Yeah. Tell me what the target is yep. and I'm gonna go for it and probably exceed it. Yes. And that was my mindset. I'm gonna I'm gonna make David get more warehouses. He mm. doesn't know this yet, but he's gonna have to go buy more warehouses because we're gonna fool this thing up. We're yeah. just gonna keep going, we're gonna take the hill. Huh. Well, that, a couple of quick things I'm curious about. One is how did you know him? I know you worked for him, but how did you even get connected to him? And then how did you stay in touch? What does that mean that you guys stayed in touch? And then the third thing is, I'll remember the third thing in a minute. Those are the first two. Like, how did you know him to begin with, and how did you stay in touch? That's, yeah, good clarity. He lived, he grew up in the same neighborhood. Okay. He was friends with my parents, and they were two or three houses up the street. Okay. So he's like a family <clears throat> friend, yes. acquaintance, something like that. Okay. And what's funny is I said I'd never work for him and a couple other business guys in that neighborhood because I didn't want people to ever think, I got the job because we knew them right? or they're showing favoritism. I wanted to be able to get jobs that I had to work hard for. So I want to make my, a big on my own path okay. type mentality Okay. and I don't want any handouts. I want to, I want to work hard for what I get. Well, how did you stay in touch? What does that mean? Is this because your families were nearby? Yes. Okay. And when I would, when we'd come back in town from Virginia around Thanksgiving or Christmas, I would see him. Okay. I went to the same church. So it wasn't same, like you were, you know, once a month had a call. And, no, okay. he would, the way our neighborhood worked, people just out in the yards playing, okay. and he would walk down and say, "Hey, how you doing? Yeah, okay, how's life in Virginia?" Why did he start RNS? You know, any idea? He w- he had because he was a he was running. I mean, he had a, a construction company. Yes, he also had several other companies. <laughs> okay, he had a oil. It was like a Jiffy Lube. Okay, I think he had six, seven, or eight of those around Knoxville. Okay, and one of his suppliers, I think of the oil, maybe Pennzoil. Someone came to him and said, "Hey, we need to store these big tanks of oil, store some products." Can you help us with that? Said, sure. Okay. Let's go get a warehouse. Went and bought mm. a warehouse. Mm. It wasn't even necessarily logistics. It was just supplying his other business. Just a place to put stuff. Yeah. Then he sold the, maybe you should interview him one day. That would be a great would interview. would be a great interview. He, yeah. uh, he sold that business and, but kept the warehouse. The Jiffy Lube. The Jiffy Lube. Okay. Yeah. And then Kimberly Clark came to him because he had a warehouse. This yeah. will happen where they needed. It, it was rail accessible. Mm. 
and Kimberly Clark couldn't have rail to their manufacturing plant out in Loudoun, yeah. Tennessee. So he put a rail in for him, started offloading paper, hmm. and then that's kind of kind of fell into it a little bit. Got it. Offloading rail cars and then shipping over to the manufacturing plant. And how did you know anything about warehousing? Because you weren't doing that. No. You were just doing no. just traditional trucking logistics. So you didn't know. I didn't know anything. Okay. I just knew. All right. And seemingly he didn't either. No. I mean, he wasn't running the business. No. So he theoretically knew what it was. But as far as this is how you run a successful warehousing and logistics company, he wasn't like, hey, come sit next to me and I'll teach you. No. And in fact, it was more of transportation. Before I got there, before the crash, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, he was bigger into trucking. Way, hmm. Trucking was the bigger okay. 30, maybe 35 trucks. But oh, then he owned went, trucks. He owned a lot oh, of trucks. But in okay. the downturn, sold a lot of them, and off, a lot of them okay. off and went to more of a small brokerage model. Okay. I think we kept four trucks at okay. the time when I got there. Huh. So, yes, very heavy in transportation. Okay. Warehousing was probably the smallest. He had another division, a biomass division, where he would buy sawdust from these mills and resell it to people who so were awesome. burning in it. Were, who, yeah, who were, again, he, very entrepreneurial. Yeah. He can see opportunity and yeah. people's needs. They would take the sawdust and burn it to heat their plants mm-hmm. or use it to solidify some waste. Yeah. And those two divisions were way larger than warehousing. So yes, not really knowing. And there were two warehouses, one in Loudoun, it sounds like. And one in Lenore City. And one in City. Oh, they were yeah. both down there. Yeah, in oh, Loudoun okay. County, both okay. over there. All right. All right, so anyhow, you come to this work. Unload your stuff. Yep. Y'all know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> I no, have no idea. And you're like, okay, it's here we Monday. are. What did I do? <laughs> so, what did I do? Yeah. Where's the onboarding packet? Who's doing my orientation? Yeah. <laughs> but I love that, Paul. I love, I'm just, hey, move. Let, let me, me get it. out there and go. Yeah. I may fail, but give me an opportunity to succeed. The first win. So that was August of 2011. Okay. And the, I started posting, I started building relationships with the manufacturers. I put a post, I was like, okay, this is going to be a longer sales process. I could just feel Mm -hmm. a 55 year old, 60 year old plant manager is not going to give me their product, their millions of dollars of product. They're not going to trust a 28 year old, Mm -hmm. 29 year old. And I knew it's going to be a longer. Mm -hmm. So I posted on Facebook, boat and RV storage, just to get something going. I had a couple boats, two or three (laughs) boats come in and just put them in the warehouse. In the warehouse. And that was generating just very little, but it was like a win. (laughs) <laughs> but we've never, Paul, we've never done that since that first, that was like the first thing we got. And I was just so did it happy. For that, just did it for that winter. Yeah. Just did it for that one winter. And David stored his boat in there and I sent him a bill as a joke, <laughs> as a joke. I don't know if he thought it was funny, but it was, that was so good just to, for even the people to see, okay, he's working, he's going to do whatever it takes, yeah. getting scrappy yeah. to get some revenue in That's to generate the awareness. Wow. Huh. And then after that, it was just slow trickling in. I mean, it was very hard. One of our lar- larger customers, automotive, it took four years of relationship. How long did it take before the third warehouse had to be built? Let's see. It was probably, it took four years. Four years. Okay. Yeah. So four it took years. four years to fill the two up. Or keep them filled. And keep them filled. Enough to be able to say, hey, we need to do another one. There was a lot of fast in, fast out. I learned all those first four years. I was, we'd get a customer in there. They'd fill this 50,000 square feet up. Then six months later, they'd be gone. And then I have to get another customer. So the pipeline always had to be filled. Just yeah. never stopped selling. So you were just selling all the time. Yeah. I mean, in theory, were you even running the business as much as just selling? A little bit because we were so small and running so tight and lean. We had to get profitable. Yeah. That was the other thing. Like this weight yeah. of just right. keep just staying open. Yeah. So I was off. I would off- offload trucks if I had to, whatever. Double checking orders, a lot of double, because mm. accuracy is very key. Yeah. So a lot did of that you, I mean, Did you get to profitability? 
We did. It took a long time. I didn't. Our admin lady left shortly after I got there, and she did some brokerage too. So I had to take over the transportation, customer service, data entry, invoicing our customers, just having to do it all. So yes, I was just in wow. it. I couldn't step back at all. Mm. I knew I needed to, and I t- mm. people would tell me you got to work on it, and I didn't. Yeah. That was not even an option yeah. for many years. You're just fighting to keep it alive at the time. Yes. Yeah. Why did so you keep doing it? I think I mean, you didn't I, have to. You didn't own it at that point. You just worked. You know, you're an employee. I think I loved the challenge. And I think I finally found an industry that the way my mind works, constantly thinking of better, better ways to do something. Love to solve problems. Love mm. it. I can't turn that off. It drives my wife nuts. <laughs> like we were dropping Caroline off at camp this summer and the way they have drop off, the traffic's backed way up. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm like <laughs> making comments of how they could do it better. And yeah. she's like, you say one more word. <laughs> You're making this process miserable. <laughs> it's not about you. But that's, I think I found the industry making the puzzle work. The pieces don't fit, but how are we going to try to make it fit? I feel like this industry I could work in for the rest of my life. Hmm. And cool. so I enjoy a challenge. I enjoy things that are really hard and going after them. And come, I didn't want to fail either. I felt like this might be the first thing in my life I could fail at, running hmm. a company to the ground. And I, I, Yeah, I think those are the reasons why. Sounds like David was pretty patient, obviously. Because it wasn't like you got there and all of a sudden a year later you're like, hey, we're cash flow is great, we're making so much money, this is awesome. No. So he's really patient. Very patient. Yeah. Very patient. Yeah, I learned I mean I, a lot of failures. Yeah. And gave me a lot of rope. Wow, that's impressive. You, at what point did you lose eighty percent of your customers? It's probably after see two thousand eleven, probably twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. Oh, so you filled it up and filled then it, up. it went And I think we got a third warehouse. I think we had just got our fourth warehouse. Oh wow. And thinking, hey, I'm pretty good. I got this thing going, I got it figured out. Yeah. And and then they pulled out a lot of the customers we work with are so big, they can take their stuff in-house. Yeah. Or they can... So were you building <clears throat> all this on the back of a customer? Mostly two customers. Two customers. Kimberly Clark and then an automotive one. Okay. And together they were 75, 80%. And that includes some trucking. And too. they both were like, "Yep, hey, we're going to go do this ourselves. Like a four-month period of time. And it was... Paul's, like you didn't even know this was happening? No, out of the blue. Oh, and we knew that we knew that one of them was reassessing their yeah. options or putting their stuff out to bid. Right. But they had been with us for so long, 16 years, we didn't think they were going to go anywhere else. Right. Oh, man. The other one will hurt because I knew they wanted to consolidate all their business with us into one warehouse. We had them spread out over those four or maybe five at the time. And I took them on a tour of a warehouse. It was big enough to hold all their stuff. I knew they wanted it. It was the perfect fit. An investor came in and bought it. And I'll never forget the meeting. They came, they flew down and like, Hey Joe, somebody else bought it and we're going to go into it. And it was a huge blow. Oh, so somebody else bought it and got them to go into it. Mm-hmm. Like under, like undercut you. Yeah. I learned a lot. Oh, that's a gut it, punch. That hurt Ooh. probably for about four or five years. Wow. But learned, wouldn't be here today if that didn't happen. Wow. So I needed to be more savvy in business. Yeah. I needed to, not give free consulting. <laughs> had you taken? Have you had you been through Sandler at this point? I don't. I maybe I had just started. Okay, maybe I had just started, <laughs> and I realized all the mistakes that I had made, huh. and had no contracts or no, just locking the warehouse down before you do that, or Got just it. doing so much more work. So yeah, they pulled out. Both of them did, and now we're back to where we were when I first started. We had built it up, thinking it was doing great, and just. Did you have to let people go? We did, a couple oh, people. Man. We tried to keep as many as we on as many as we could on. Fortunately, I hadn't stopped selling, so there was stuff in the pipeline. Yeah. I remember having a meeting with Dave and he's I just I don't you know, I don't know. 
I don't know if there's a way forward. He said that? Yeah, I don't see a path forward. Not like he's going to get rid of me, but like, hey, we need to close this thing down. Yeah. Or do we just need to consolidate and get out of these? Where? What do, I don't see a clear path forward. Mm. And, you know, me being trying to brave and put on a brave face, I sent him an email. I still have the email of, hey, here's the things we're doing. Here's the pipeline. It seems bleak, but we're going to make it. We're going to get these things closed. We're going to we're gonna build back. And, uh, and we did slowly, but it was, I mean, we were getting jobs that no one wanted to do. Like mm. we had to wipe down these automotive parts, these drive shafts, clean them off of oil, inspect them, put them in a different bin, ship them out. Very different than off on a forklift. You're, it's hard work for eight hours. You're standing labor on labor intensive. Yes. It's not just warehousing and logistics. It's, I don't even know how to describe it. Like it's beyond that. Value added. Yeah. yeah. Adding more than just a dry roof over the right. product. Yeah. So little things like that would come in just when we felt like we, we might need to close this thing down. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to make it. I just, I remember the feeling of walking to the warehouse and just completely empty. Now, now we're in bigger warehouses in Knoxville, 200,000 square feet. And it's kind of, it makes you feel small. You know, you think you're getting somewhere yeah. and then you're like, wow, we really, you know, that, that builds trust and faith and all right, relying on the Lord. A lot more prayer happened in that time and, hmm. and a lot less confidence in myself and my own skills. And just getting back to the simple things and mm. praying more and reading the Bible more and back to sales again. I think the downfall was I'd sell something and then ramp it up. Yeah. Lay the warehouse out, offload trucks, train people. Yeah. And it's not like as the e myth. It was like you were doing it all. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Learned about contracts, how to be more savvy. And mm. I mean, just so much good came from that. Mm. Longer terms. Two things. What point did you get into C12? Had you been? Had you gotten in yet at that point? I don't think I, 16? I think, I think it was six, 16 or 17 when I got okay. in. Yeah, the same time Okay. when I was <clears throat> in a bad spot. Okay. It was really good I got in. Got it. And it was helpful? Very helpful. Yeah. I remember the first couple of meetings thinking, there's so much that people know here. I shouldn't even be at this table. <laughs> they had mature businesses. Yeah. They had process and procedures for everything. Whose group were you in? Are I was you with Bill, Bill? Bill Mancini's, you yeah, are, okay. the Knoxville One Group. Okay. A lot more mature, established companies. Yeah. And during breaks and even during, you know, constantly texting and taking calls and yeah. and getting fines for that. <laughs> and Bill <laughs> telling funny. me to put my phone away, but I couldn't. You know, these people yeah. had managers like me to yeah, run it, but I couldn't pull out of it. Wow. When did the thing with your, was this thing with your child being born and you being in a warehouse happening all at the same time too? Was this all in that same time frame? Yeah, that's another good clarification. I guess we would have had, by this time, maybe three kids or just had a third. And Yeah, so seven months pregnant with her third child, oh. and she passed out and hit her head. Oh, yeah, that, yes. So that's a tough story, yes. Working too much, just to try to b- dig out of that hole again. And this was in the midst of trying to dig out of that hole. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, not sleeping much, stressed about work. I'd wake mm-hmm. up at 3 a.m., and if I thought about work or stress, I couldn't go back to sleep. So I'd get up and send emails. Prepare for the day. People are love that. Yeah. 3 a.m. Joe oh, emails. <laughs> Stop sending me oh, emails. Wait, wake up with five emails from Joe. <laughs> stressing me out, Joe. Yeah. We, yes, that was during that time. And we had a, a retail customer in women's clothing. And these this product had to go out by Friday hmm. at 10 o'clock. And the truck would be there. So we're shrink wrapping. 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, maybe 11. We're shrink wrapping these pallets. And she called me and she was like, hey, I, you know, I've passed out. I'm hurt. I need help. And I'm 45 minutes away and I couldn't help her. And I realized, wow, as much as the company needed me, my family needed me more. Yeah. And it wasn't worth it. It was not worth the sacrifice mm. at the time. And I had 
you know, I, I felt like it was on me. Yeah. And I said, all right, Catherine, it'll never happen again. You know, mm. I'm going to put more boundaries around my time. And Did it work? It was not instant. <laughs> it was not instant. <laughs> because even though the sentiment there and the heart was there, I was like, man, I, also I cared for, I didn't want to lay anybody off. tension. Yeah. Yeah. It took a long time to get there. Mm. And, and building back trust too, you know, like, hey, I'm going to be home when I say I'm going to be home. That yeah. was the other thing. I'll be home at five. You know, here it is, yeah. 730. Mm. So it was not instant, no. Yeah. Super hard, man. I mean, I think when you're building a business, especially when it's almost like a, I don't know, it's a weird thing, especially the way you're wired. I'm kind of, I'm not wired exactly like you, but I do. It's responsibility is the thing I think of. And the strengths finder, my number two is responsibility. And I've seen that play out in like, in unhealthy ways, you know, like I'm responsible for this. So like I'm the captain, I'm going to go down with the ship, Yes. whatever it takes. But there's also the family that pays the price. Yep. Yeah, for that on the back end. So, well, those two things, and then are that one thing, and then your oldest daughter. I remember you telling me about this and the mm. field trip thing. What'd she say? She was like, <laughs> "Dad, you've never." It made me cry. She said, "You've never gone on a field trip with mm. me," and that kind of woke me up too. Yeah. That's a big I, one. Sorry, <laughs> that's okay. And I realized again, I just that that was the sacrifice. That was the kids were, you know, yeah. they were feeling it. Did you and go on a field trip with her? What's that? Did you yeah, go on a field yeah. trip with <laughs> After that, I went on every field trip. I went to Mayfield, went to, I mean, just anyone that they had, I was there. Yeah. And even went to the class and had lunch with her a couple of times too. And, you know, trying to make up for it. Yeah. But it was, you know, she, I don't even know if she remembers it today. How old was she? She was either kindergarten or first grade. She was probably seven, six yeah. or seven. God, from the, what is it? From the mouths of babes. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. They'll say things to you that, yeah. That even your wife won't say. That's this is actually what she probably <laughs> needed to say to me, and yes. it makes it makes a big impact. Well, that's also sweet. It also shows how human you are. How did it? I mean, how has it changed you as a father and balancing? Because it doesn't. Your business is really growing. I know that. Yes. You know, and so how has that adapted you in how you operate as a parent and a husband and all these things? What's different? I needed to be more like David Schmidt, who started the business, who's very good at handing things off and doing it really quick, yeah. kind of like a sink or swim. I guess I felt like I needed to train people up and make sure they're 100% ready to take things mm. on, but just giving more freedom to people mm. and not waiting till it was crucial, hiring people before you may need them even. Yeah. And I was running so lean right. and taking, and I felt like it was, any bill told me, this, Joe, you're operating out of fear. You feel like mm. if you're not doing it all, the company's going to go down. You need to let go of that. You yeah. need to, you need to cut back to like forty-five hours. You need mm. or forty, and just give it to the Lord. Let Him. Mm. If He's going to grow, He's going to grow it. He yeah. doesn't need you. Yes, you still need to work hard. Yes, you still need to make your calls, but you need to trust Him. Have it's His company. It? Have you been able to? It's do taken that? years. It probably took me since He said that probably four or five years to finally get there wow. and get great help. Like Bob, you've met him, yeah. Matt, and Bobby. Yeah. And then even the people underneath them, I'm going to forget names. So forgive me if you're listening to this. I can't name everybody. Jim, Bobby, Jordan, Garrett. I mean, I'm going to miss somebody. But yeah. they're so, they're all, Jameson, there's so many awesome guys mm. that are helping and that they want to take more. Mm. That's the thing. I'm like, oh, am I giving too much? No, they're like, Joe, give us more. Mm. Hey, they're doing to me what I did to David. It feels like, <laughs> here, move out of the way. Yeah. We got this. We're going to do a better job than you, actually. Yeah. Huh, so That's interesting. It was how long did it take me? It took them actively taking things from me. Yeah. Pushing you. Taking sales, like Landon taking sales. Mm. Bobby, Matt Ooh, taking that's off. That's probably work. hard. 
Oh, that was because really <laughs> you know how much I love, we love it. that. Yeah, I love. We're well, probably still involved. I'm sure from yes, a sales perspective. Yes. I still have yeah. my customers. <laughs> like I'm still gonna go sell stuff. Yeah, these are the big. I tried to go for you know the larger ones. Yeah, but huh? What would you? I wonder. Like going through all this, there's this is such a common story of people who sacrifice, you know, family, and you know, you caught it actually pretty early. To be honest with you, you know, I, like what would you do different? Because there's a reality of trying to dig yourself out of a hole you know that kind of requires work yeah you know so i mean what would you do different that's a tough question what could you do different? what would you if if you were a 55 year old joe mahalik with a 28 year old joe mahalik or a 32 year old mahalik who has a young wife young kids what would you and you were watching him Mm. and he sat down with you and it's like i'm driving you know this and that and doing this and what would you say what would you say i would have hired people and given more responsibility away a lot more soon, sooner than I should have okay. and trusted people, even if they're not going to do it the way I want it to, that it's going to get done Yeah, and giving them freedom to fail like David gave me mm. and to succeed as well. And people want to grow in their careers. They want to provide a better living for their families mm-hmm. and their loved ones. And so doing that a lot earlier mm. than I did and not thinking it all was on me. And that's the thing I, entrepreneurs, he, we think it is on it, and it's, the it buck is. stops with us. Yeah, but you can't do anything without other people around you. Like nothing mm. great, really. You know, you hear that a lot. Yeah. What can you do that's great without other people? Yeah, and relate and really valuing those relationships. Mm. Isn't it more fun to do things with your friends and your yeah. coworkers? It's to to have a win. It's like a sports team. Mm. When you have a win, you've been in the trenches. Yeah, whatever sport you played, to like high five and chest bump and mm. celebrate together, as opposed to you know, solo by yourself. Yeah. So much more rich. Absolutely. I heard Craig Groeschel on the podcast the other day say, if you delegate tasks, you're creating followers. If you delegate authority, you're Mm. creating leaders. And it's a, it's, that's a really, I mean, I think I've historically been really great at creating followers, you know, to your point, you know, how do you like David, he gave away authority. Like almost all of it. Yeah. Right? And was like, I mean, good luck. (laughs) You know? That's interesting. Yeah. So, well, thanks for sharing that. That's hard. So, you have four kids. Imagine one of them says, hey, I want to go start a business or whatever. I mean, would you be like, yeah, that's awesome. Mm. Or what do you think you'd say? Yeah, I think I would. I think I would. I would encourage them in it. Even if they end up not doing it or not doing it well or failing, to have that experience extremely valuable, mm. like the landscaping company that I had. I would try to encourage them to go talk to, if they said technology, I would say, hey, go talk to Paul, mm. just to get some wisdom, other people. And as you know, kids don't necessarily listen to their parents yeah, very well. Sure, yeah. But someone else can say the same thing and yeah. it's great. So I had two or three people maybe send them to just bounce the ideas mm-hmm. off, see what they say, shoot holes in it, say, I yeah. wanna get better, I wanna see if this is even viable. What are the things I should look out for? Mm. Get that wisdom way before they even start. But then sometimes, not waiting too long. Just go try it. You know, yeah. see what happens. To your point, my kids are starting to ask that now. How old's the oldest? Caroline will be 11, 11. in October. Okay. And we kind of started a little t-shirt. Kind of like she would draw these pictures and then you, it's very easy now. You can upload them yeah. and get the t-shirt design yeah. and then send to your house. <laughs> yeah. They want to start a coffee shop right now. You don't understand <laughs> how hard it is to oh, make it goodness. in the restaurant industry. So, yeah. But I think that's what I would say. Go huh. talk to other people. See what they've done. Hear the good and the bad and the ugly. How, you know, 
growing up in a big family the way you grew up and you I mean you have a fairly large family four kids right do you see do you see shaping like you're you were shaped are you shaping your kids similarly in that way what do you see what do you see you reproducing Mm. especially on the good yeah (laughs) I found myself asking the kids and even Catherine the same question hey what would go good in that lot or that Mm. lot or that building that's been run down or you know, what are ideas? How can we hire homeless people? You know, mm-hmm. what's a business that we can employ them and get them off the streets mm-hmm. or, you know, partner with CARM in a way that just get them to think in a different way. So I do that. Also chores and come in behind them when they're <laughs> sweeping the floor. I definitely do that. I think I need to do more bringing them into the warehouse because mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that growing up. I guess I missed that part. When I was about eight or nine, my dad had us pick up cigarette butts and scrub the toilets in his office. Mm-hmm. That sounds exciting. Yeah. (laughs) The idea was we're not above anything. You have to do it all. And so having my kids do that, they come and sweep the floor sometimes at our warehouse. So those are the things that I'm replicating. And also trying to teach them to, you know, read Proverbs. There's so many great, so much great wisdom and knowledge in that. A good reputation is worth more than Mm -hmm. silver or gold. doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have. Your reputation is all. Or even... You know, when you send somebody to do something, but they don't do it or they're slow in doing it, it's like smoke to the eyes. Mm. Like, I love those pictures of mm. it. It really is. It's, oh, man, yeah. how good is it when you send somebody to do something or give them the authority like you're talking about and they go deliver? Yeah, it's awesome. And, and trust them. So yeah. try to tell them, here's where you go for wisdom. Other people, proverb, just mm. so many opportunities. Th- those are the things I'm, that were instilled in me at a young age yeah. that I'm trying to pass on to them. I assume you and Catherine are raised differently. Right, you're not two steps apart, so yes. seemingly you're different. Like, how's that been to integrate some of those things? Because that's always a challenge. I mean, yeah. I remember we went to a marriage thing. Oh gosh, I forget their names. They're really been at Cedar Springs forever. Ah, oh, I can see their faces. But I remember she was telling the story. She goes, "When I grew up, like Saturday was cleaning day, so we got up, cleaned the house, cleaned the baseboards, did all yes. the stuff, and when he in his family Saturday was watch cartoons and lay around <laughs> eat cereal. Yes, <laughs> and she goes, so we got married, and I would get up and be like, well, yes, let's clean the house, and he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm watching Bugs Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what we do on a Saturday, you know. And I was like, it was just so such a good picture. Yes, of we're raised different, you know, we're both bringing different ideas into the home. And, uh, and so I'm curious, like, how is, how have you guys mm. navigated some of those things? It's leadership. Like, how have you guys navigated some of those things? That has been hard because her level of cleanliness is higher than mine. And very, yes, exactly. Yeah. You just nail, put the nail on the, head, nail on the head with, yeah, Saturday mornings for her were cleaning and mm. her room and the house and kept yeah. a very neat house. Maybe because there was two kids, but yeah. with ours, it's been, because I sometimes can't see a mess yeah. the way she does. Well, or even know about it. She, it's her and a sibling. Yes, her brother Daniel. Yes. Right, and so and then seven kids. Yes. So chaos. Yes. And pretty just kind of normal. Yes. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> pretty normal. Right. Yeah. That's. I mean, I'm an only child. I mean, I, I'm the youngest of six, but I basically grew up like an only child. Alexa's the youngest of four. Yes. You know, so for her, it's like chaos, craziness, loudness. For me, I'm like, no, my house is always quiet. <laughs> Why is it so noisy here? Yes. <laughs> So I would imagine for you, like chaos would be normal. Yes. Seven kids. Yes. There's always somebody talking, yelling, screaming, doing something. Exactly. For her, it was probably like, no, yeah. it wasn't yeah. that way. Yeah, that has been hard to merge those two. But yeah. I've probably come more her way and know as crazy as life is, we need some organization. Yeah. The shoes do need to be put away in the same place. Yeah. You don't need to walk mm. 
bring mud through the house where I'm like, hey, just let them be kids. You know, <laughs> just, I don't know if you've ever seen. Jump on the couch. Whatever. Like your, yours, mine, and not where they merge the two families and there's like 11 kids. I don't know. One of them's like the disciplinary. It's a funny movie. Uh, Our kids like it. And then the and the mom is just like the free spirit. Yeah. It's kind of opposite in our marriage. Yeah. You know, just let the kids, you know, run wild. Huh. But it's been tough. Yeah. But also, I'm, I need to back her up in that way. Yeah. That's good. Well, I know one thing you've done is go on vacation and, and try to unplug, right? How's yes, that going? It's better. I, I think <laughs> well, I felt guilty about it too, even being away. I don't Pretty normal. You know, I'd still have to do sale. Again, it goes back to sales. Wanting to send emails or if somebody would, if a customer needed, needed more space, I would respond. And I didn't need to. Yeah. And so it took me probably almost all of the 10 or 11 years I've been there to not feel guilty, not feel bad about mm. it, it. Probably only the last two years I put an away message. Never would do Good that. And I mean, I would even jump on conference calls mm. too, you know, early in the morning before people are up, like six or seven. Yeah. Just, it's taken me a long time, Paul. Would, just, would you, again, advice, would you? I would have cut it off way, I mean, mm. day one. Just, it's got to be a clear break. Yeah. Some of that was necessity early on, but I didn't need to drag it out as much as yeah, I did. That's good. As we get to the end, are you comfortable talking about where RNS is today, size-wise versus where it was? Are you sure. comfortable with that? So, sure. so tell. So, when you got there, how much revenue was it doing? Maybe two million. Okay. Three million. And did it go three. down? Before. Yes. Okay. Yeah. When it went up, then down. Maybe we got to four, three, or maybe four. Maybe it doubled. Okay. And then. I don't know if we ever got to five, and then it went way down. Like down to a million yeah. or something? Yeah, and we lost 80% of our business. And we were losing money, too, year yeah. after year. And then today, where is the business? Today, we're close to 14 or 15 million and about 14 locations. 14 locations from two? Two. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Wow. And how many people? About 55 employees and... 15 or 20 temps, so about oh, wow. 70, 70 75 total people. type people, yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Dude, I'm sure that's very humbling to you to think about where it came from and where it is today. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I could not have done it without everybody. My wife supporting me. It's been a lot. It's been fun to do, though. I get to meet some great people like you in like different groups. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. And uh, the guys that I work with, it's been incredible. Yeah. What's next, do you think? You and for RNS, what's you know, dreams, hopes, plans. I'm growing in leadership, Paul, trying to figure out how to encourage more. Now that I've let some things go, be a better support, I need to cast vision. Vision has been something that's been in my mind, my brain mostly. Oh, everybody just knows vision. Yeah. No, you got to talk about it. And you've done a great job of telling me you got to say it until you want to throw up. Mm-hmm. Like mission, vision, values, like constantly preach them. I need to do that a lot more. I think I'm, grow- I'm growing in more of the insurance side the risk mitigation side the legal side banking side to get better healthier as a company improve our cash flow mm-hmm. things like that are very crucial that i'm just now thinking about mm-hmm. or trying to do so i think that's more of the future more of a actually acting like a ceo yeah. in that role which has been really hard because mm-hmm. i still love to offload a truck yeah that's funny <laughs> but i know i need to create value in a different way yeah and, that's a pretty big deal though i mean i think of uh, arthur blank and some of these guys that some of the Home Depot guys, you know, they they go work a cash register mm-hmm. at a Home Depot store as a CEO. You know, that wasn't what they did every day, right? But it was like this thing where they were like, I, sometimes I just want to get right at the customer, you know, and hear and see and feel kind of how it goes. So 
It's a, I don't plan to take technical calls <laughs> primarily because they would be pissed off at me if I took one because I'd be like, I don't know how to fix your problem. I'm really sorry. I love you. Love we you. We can have a good conversation <laughs> about how things are going. I can't fix anything. So, but that's. Do you ever find yourself as you've given these things away, sometimes wondering what you're supposed to do? Yes, that's been really hard. Isn't that a fascinating thing? It's yep. what am I supposed to do now? Yes. And how <laughs> the I transition from a task oriented to a strategic oriented leader is yes. really challenging. Because for so long I knew I could create value this way and it's very tangible. Yeah. Now I don't know how much value I'm really mm. helping the company mm. when it's more of mission, vision, values, philosophy mm. of how to run a professional company. Mm. And that's where I think we're going is the next five or 10 years, getting better what we have. Yes, I want to grow, but a part of me is I'm okay being where we are, but becoming really excellent mm-hmm. at our customers, our technology, yeah. our service, and raising that more than grow to grow, yeah. which is where we've been the last on the treadmill the last five years. I heard, uh, I can't remember who I listened to or read about that too. It's a, for folks like us who've come up, it's like an entrepreneur's dilemma. It's like a, it's like doing something is like a dopamine hit. It's a really weird addiction. It's like, oh, I can go unload a truck, and I'm like, I did that. I feel yes. good about it. And we're all high fiving and everything yes. else. You know, I can go win a deal, and yes. I'm like, man, I did that, and I'm good at that. You know, but when you're really operating strategically, and you're really just a resource to make sure all the people have the things they need to be successful, it's almost like you feel invaluable. Yep. It's really weird. That is it. But that's actually where you need to be. Yes. Is not valuable <laughs> because that's the value of the organization's ability to scale and grow and be successful. But it's super hard. Oh, that's it right there. Really hard to do. Yep. So. All right, man. Well, it was fun. Yeah. Did it feel like just me. a conversation with Paul? It did. It took me about 30 <laughs> minutes to get unanxious. I had to unwind a little bit. I feel like the second half was probably a little better. You're great. Well, I think it's always really tough. I find this a lot, especially if there's not something really like almost painfully powerful about your younger childhood that a lot of people just are like, well, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> just like, I don't have anything really to talk about mm-hmm. my childhood, you know? So it's hard to guide people through that to sort of try to connect the dots. Mm-hmm. But as you start getting into your career, it just is easier to talk about because you're like, it's very tactile in that way. It's like, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. These things happen, you know? But as a kid, you're like, I don't know. I just lived I, as a kid. And I, I grew up with my family, <laughs> so I don't really know. Uh, you know, but if there's trauma, it's usually, you know, when folks have been through trauma as a child, or intense trauma. I mean, all of us have some level of pain as a child, but then it's different, you know, but yes. so it's all, I find that a lot when we interview people who've had a pretty relatively, I'll say easy, but hmm. kind of idyllic childhood. They're like, I don't know. I, don't know. I just was, was good. I did this. And I did that. And I don't know. <laughs> Parents were there, you know, happy kid. It was good. Yeah. It's hard. It's very hard. I think I would even struggle with it. I think to some extent, cause I, I joke, we took this test as a family, it's called the Adverse Childhood Experience Test. Mm. And you can get a 10, which is really bad. It means you've had 10 adverse childhood experiences. And there are things like you're sexually abused, you know, you didn't feel like you were loved, you were physically abused, you know, all these things prior to 18. And I was like, mine's a zero. I have no adverse childhood experiences whatsoever. And, you know, Alexa's like a five, Mm. you know, on it. And, and then I think some of my parents were divorced, you know, so like some of my kids have like twos and threes and stuff. Yeah. And it's fascinating. No. I'm like, I'll send it to you. Yeah. It's usually probably a zero, <laughs> so, but it's, you know, Alexa's like, I know your childhood was perfect. <laughs> so everything was a zero, you know, uh, you know, some, I mean, I'm like, I had a really, I moved 
to Florida when I was 10. And at the time, I thought it was the worst thing ever. I hated it. I didn't want to move. Mm. I was nine. I didn't want to move. I was pissed at my parents. This is terrible. You ripping me away from my friends, everything else. But it was, in the end, the best thing that ever happened to me. I loved mm. growing up in Florida. It was amazing. So even that, I'm like, I mean, at nine, yeah. it felt like really traumatic. Yes. But at the end of the day, it was fine. Yeah. You know, if you moved me when I was 16, I bet that'd be traumatic. Yes. You know, but nine, I mean, come yeah. on. Like, I'm just back. Yeah. <laughs> this is fine. I didn't even, I mean, I barely knew these people. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're resilient. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, it was fun, man. Yeah. Thanks, thanks. for doing it, Paul. Thanks Looking for forward me. to shooting some birds next week. Yeah. I hope they're flying. That's the big thing. Yeah. Because the further we get into September, the more risky it is about the birds flying. I am excited about that. Well, it's going to be fun, right? That was episode two with Joe Mahalik. He is so fun, uh, and I think our first guest who's ever cried on an episode, so I am uh, going to continue to channel my inner Roy Firestone, but loved having Joe, loved listening to his story, powerful story. Stay tuned, another episode coming soon.